Welcome to The Wonder, exploring perspectives, rituals, and observances of modern naturalistic, earth-revering, pagan religious paths. Here are your hosts, Yucca and Mark. Welcome back to The Wonder, science-based paganism. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Yucca. And it is Hallows season, Samhain season, Halloween. So many happy returns of the holiday to you. Today we're going to talk about all things related to those ho- that constellation of holidays and talk about themes and activities and how we celebrate. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to believe that we've come all the way around the wheel of the year again to, to this time, but here it is. Yeah, here we are. And personally, I'm thrilled. I love this time of year. Me it's, too. It's a fun one. And right now, so we're recording the 24th, so a week ahead. But Mark, you have another reason to be celebrating happening right now, right? I do. It is pouring rain where I live. And um, we've been in a really serious drought. So um, I'm, I'm in a really great mood today. It's The sky is dark and gray and we're probably getting about an inch an hour of rain, maybe just, a little less. And that's a uh, lot. flash flood warnings, and I couldn't be more pleased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sounds like the land has been really, really thirsty. And it, this is early for you too, right? Very much so. Yeah. I mean, we typically get one rainstorm in September or October. And then it stays dry again until like December. But this is the second rainstorm we've had. The first one was very weak and about a week ago. But this is a class five atmospheric river. So it's huge. And we're expected to get as much as 13, 14 inches of rain in the next 24 hours. So it's pretty exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. So I hope everybody stays safe during this time as well, though, because you've had fires. So after yes. fires, there's often the mudslides and flooding that comes from the areas that were burned. Right. Yeah. Right. The other reason why it is such a relief to have this huge rainstorm for us here is that this marks the end of wildfire season. Everything is getting a good wetting down. And we're, we're even if we have a lightning storm now, which is what set off the last couple of rounds of fires were lightning storms. The ground is just going to be too wet for anything to take off. So we're, right. we're it's good going to be that sponge, just that yeah. store to get you through the next few months. Hope, yeah. And then hopefully your rain will come. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's great. Yep. Very so. exciting. <laughs> yeah. 13 inches. That's amazing. So. But why don't we, let's jump into Hallows and Halloween and and all of that. And let's actually start by talking about the different holidays. Uh, Because like like when we get to the winter solstice, there are quite a few holidays that are all clumped together. and, And sometimes we treat them sort of as one, sometimes we don't, but there's different themes, there's overlapping themes. So I think that'd be interesting to get into the differences. Sure. Yeah. At the winter solstice, there's, I, I mean, a literal blizzard of holidays starting, <laughs> starting with Krampusnacht on December 7th and then extending all the way until uh, mid-January, mid-January when you've got, you know, the end of 12th night and, you know, all those uh, three or three Kings day. And there's all kinds of stuff going on in there for, for various different religious orientations. 
But here in the United States, anyway, we really only have one conventionally recognized holiday that is celebrated by the predominant culture. Mm -hmm. And that's Halloween on the 31st, which is a week from today. And Halloween... My area also had Dia de los Muertos is really big here as well. Yeah, because we're, my county is about 80% Hispanic. Ah, So that's a big, but for for the majority of the country, I think you're right that that Halloween is the primary celebrated holiday. We do have some celebrations of Dia de los Muertos here. And, but I mean, the area where I live is predominantly Anglo. And so it's really more for the Latino community and, and in a very gracious and welcoming way, the leaders of the Latino community welcome the rest of the community to come and, you know, visit the public ofrendas and all that kind of stuff. Very aesthetically beautiful holiday. It just, you know, the orange and black and the, the beautiful, beautiful altars. They're just so stunning Mm. so anyway we have this day halloween and for those of us who are pagans then there's this other thing which is called Samhain, or we call it hallows in atheopaganism because we don't use the Mm -hmm. the celtic names for things or last Um, harvest is another one that gets used right the the last of the three harvest sabbaths so we we thought that we would differentiate between those a little bit because for one thing we're pagans so we'll take any opportunity to celebrate things and have a <laughs> holiday so we you know we grab all of them and we don't have to crystallize our favorite time of the year down into a single day in fact october is kind of eerie month <laughs> yes we get out all the decorations and we watch scary movies and just do all the you know read ghost stories and do all all the things and eat pumpkin. Um, eat so eat, much pumpkin. Eat so much pumpkin. Oh <laughs> my goodness. And the sweet potatoes and the, oh, all that nice, warm, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Halloween first. I mean, this is going to be pretty familiar, I think, to almost all, if not all of our listeners. It's obviously a holiday that has become very commercialized in the United States more money is spent on Halloween than on any other holiday except for Christmas. And that's in the form of decorations, candy, party supplies, and costuming, Mm -hmm. generally. It's a big deal. And so there are these, there are themes that go along with Halloween. And the biggest one is death, mortality, and scary stuff. Stuff we don't generally cuddle up to or want to look at. So big hairy spiders and, you know, lots of cobwebs and imaginary supernatural beings that scare us a lot and psychotic people who will kill you because they're deranged and all those sorts of kind of narrative themes. It's a, it's a time for looking at the darker side of life. And I wouldn't say that in the mainstream culture, that's done in an entirely healthy way. For one thing, it's very commercialized and it's also highly sexualized. A lot of the costuming, especially for women, is it's like sexy nurse, sexy air, air traffic controller. Yeah. I, I was looking at it and my kids are very young, but I was looking at costumes for them and we ended up making them, which was way more fun for the kids. But 
looking at what would fit my like five-year-old's daughter and going whoa whoa wow like you know we're not like super like modest tight strict people but like that's uncomfortable like mm -hmm. that's for a five-year-old that's a barely more than a toddler and you know the the skirts and the low cut things and just very sexualized already it was yeah i was quite disappointed actually to find that yeah it's disturbing and i mean to me part of that is just not letting children have childhood you know sexual especially girls you know sexualizing them early and kind of encouraging them into that sort of you know demonstrative sort of dress and and behavior and as you say you know as pagans we're not prudes we're all about the sex we think it's great yeah but not for five-year-olds <laughs> that's um, yeah that's 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 inappropriate and there's no reason for it and unfortunately there is that factor that happens with children where they try to emulate what their parents or the older people are doing because you know learning to play adult is a part of how they learn to become adults right and so i think then there's that fosters this demand for this kind of costuming that just really isn't appropriate and to be fair it's not all of them there are plenty no. of other ones out there but a lot of those are the ones that get on the front page of the search you know when you're on amazon or they're the things that are at the front of the store if you're going into a physical store like that's what's being presented and you have to search to do something else that you've mm -hmm. got to put in this this time and mental effort and just use some of your bandwidth to to make a conscious choice to not do that right right so that being said it is a very commercialized holiday and because it is a mainstream overculture holiday, it is steeped with the values of that culture. Mm -hmm. Two very big aspects are a very uncomfortable and often inappropriate relationship with sexuality and a deep phobia around death, mm -hmm. which sometimes manifests itself in morbid fascination especially at this time of year. So you will see people going for the bloodiest, most disgusting look they can possibly come up with because that's cool. Mm -hmm. The rest of the year, they have to kind of keep their fascination with that stuff bottled up. But on this one day of the year, they can, they can let it shine. <laughs> so we were talking about themes and I think that, and we've talked about this before, there's a, there's a sort of gothic aesthetic. Mm -hmm. It's very popular with, with goth people, clearly, but with pagans and witches generally, because we our value system is somewhat different. We kind of, we embrace the dark. We don't reject the dark. And so being associated with spiders and snakes and bones and skulls and bats and bats and all that kind of thing black cats that doesn't freak us out at all in fact we like it we 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 it's kind of fun it is yep. it's kind of fun and there's a there's a power in it i think you know that that we we take to ourselves these these objects of fear on the part of the mainstream culture and say hey we're not scared of it 
you know, to us, these are powerful allies and friends. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, there, there's some, there's some weight that goes behind that, some, some power that is implied by our not being phased by stuff that the rest of the culture seems to be intimidated by. Yeah. So talk, still talking about Halloween before we get into Hallows and so and what are some of the activities that we associate with, with that holiday? Well, clearly the trick-or-treating that's a yeah. big, yeah, the trick-or-treating. And then sometimes the Halloween parties as well, but but really the trick-or-treating is the first and foremost part. Right. And that's, you know, especially now, that's really kind of a remarkable thing when you consider how encapsulated people are in their little homes most of the time and the kind of paranoid relationship that we have with one another now. I mean, violent crime has been dropping steadily and crime against children has been dropping steadily for decades, Mm -hmm. according to all the available statistics. And yet parents, I mean, the idea of parents actually letting a band of trick-or-treaters go around on their own without parental supervision, that just doesn't happen anymore. And it used to. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, it was like, go have a good time. We're going to stay here and hand out candy to the kids and you know we'll see you back here at nine o'clock or whatever the the time is yeah Um, that was already by the time i was a kid in the 90s that was already fading right you might mm -hmm. see a few maybe the older kids yeah you'd be maybe the kids that were just on the edge of not of kind of being a little too old for Uh trick-or-treating like they could do it but but you know any of the younger kids they were always there was a parent but maybe the parent was like staying back in the car um, on the side of right. the road or just sort right. of like watching but yeah you, you couldn't do that anymore so i think that at the stage that we're at now where i mean i don't know about you but i get bombarded with advertising for for like home alarm systems <laughs> it's ridiculous it's like I don't need a home alarm system. Sorry. Or they have it so that you can then check it with your phone. And then I'm like, yeah, but then someone can just hack into that. And right. now your phone, like now you can, <laughs> you've got cameras all over your house and anybody could hack in and see what's going on inside your house. That's creepy to me. That's way That's more creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. Yeah. The, all the, the smart, the so-called smart gadgets really creep me out. Not in the fun Halloween way, but in the like, dystopian future creeped out way yeah me too me too we have one smart thing in our house it's a smart plug okay <laughs> um, that, that Nemea can control from her phone to turn lights on and off <laughs> that i can live with it's not connected to the it, uh, well i guess it is connected to the internet by some sort of means but all that it can do is turn on and off mm-hmm. That's all that it's capable of doing it's not voice command there's no voice command there's no oh yeah don't even get me started on siri and all those things they're just really really disturbing yeah so um leaving leaving the actual scary stuff in the world going back to the stuff that isn't really so scary but which people get creeped out about So the trick-or-treating, of course, is a really big deal about that. And that has two elements to it. One of which is, you know, bands of small bandits going from (laughs) door to door demanding protection candy. Yes. The the other is is the costuming, right? 
on Halloween, we get to pretend to be somebody else. Yeah, we get to play with identity. Yes. And that is incredible, really. I mean, to me, that's the most attractive part of the whole Halloween, the, the mainstream Halloween holidays that I like to dress up as different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that. I, and, and when I do it, I do it in this very method acting kind of immersive way where my character has a name and they have a backstory. <laughs> and, you know, it's a very Dungeons and Dragons sort of way of approaching things. And as the listeners, you already know, we're both, you know, big, big into Dungeons and Dragons and the role-playing, tabletop role-playing games. So yes, even another excuse, but this time it can be LARPing even better, right? Yeah. So you should tell them about your game that you do this time of year. Oh, yes. So, um, so we do a lot of gaming, but around Halloween, we'll do a horror game. So my partner and I, And neither of us particularly like to play horror, but enjoy running the game. So we'll actually co-DM a game. And in years where we can get together and there's not, you know, pandemic going on, we still don't have people coming into our home because our children are too young to have the vaccine yet. Although hopefully pretty soon the older will be able to, but we still have the youngest. So we still have all the precautions. But when we, when it's not a year like that, we actually use a system called dread. So instead of rolling dice, it's a Jenga block tower. And that just adds to the tension and the atmosphere. And we'll do different themes, but it's the one time of year that with the people we play with, that it's instead of doing a power fantasy, we get to play with those horror themes. And again, I'm not a big fan of playing the horror, but I'm pretty good at figuring out the things that are really gonna gonna get my friends and be like, Ooh, the th- this is, this is what's going to really, really make you uncomfortable just for that one, just for the one night. And there's just something really nice about being able to, to play quite literally with those different uncomfortable, uh, those, that whole different side. Mm-hmm. There's just something very, very, I guess, cathartic about horror. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's some good science on this, actually. I mean, you know, what what horror movies do is they build tension and then they give you a big dopamine flush and then they do it again and then they do it again. And, you know, that's rather like winning frequently at the slot machine. It's the same, you know, the same sort of intermittent reinforcement principle that works so well for human motivation. Yeah. So it's it's a kind of a natural thing for us to be attracted to to doing. Yeah. Um so the dressing up, that's mm-hmm. a that's a big deal. I we have tons of costume stuff, Nemea and I do, tons and tons of it. I'm not saying it all fits anymore, but we have and I haven't decided what I'm going to wear on Halloween itself. And I'll be getting into what my weekend looks like next weekend in a little bit but we're going to be the new neighborhood that we live in now i believe probably has quite a number of kids that are going to go trick-or-treating and so i'm going to get home from my other commitments early enough that i can change into a costume and hand out candy (laughs) Um, and that'll be fun because we haven't done that for years the places where we've lived before have not had children come by 
well, where we live, there will be no trick-or-treaters, but we will be going into town to their grandmother's place, which is actually where my family would drive us to town because I had lived very rural as a child as well to go trick-or-treating. But my children have informed me that I'm going to be the wishing tree. So anyone with young kids right now might be familiar with True in the Rainbow Kingdom show from Netflix, but they are going as True and Bartleby, and I am going as a very large tree that grants wishes. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it's good. I think it's going to be really cute. That sounds adorable. Yes. And they got, they got to choose what everybody was going to be. I was, I was going, how about we all be cats? No, I don't get to dress up like a cat. I'm going to be a big tree cool lumbering tree (laughs) oh yeah with a little smile on it so Uh, yeah they were also voting they also number blocks so basically going as numbers was pretty high on their list too so (laughs) well sounds fun yeah and you Um, have you have a week to get the that costume together if it's not together already it is not i don't think it's going to be terribly difficult because it's a tree (laughs) so i'm just good i get to be green theirs are a little bit trickier i mean the the littlest one's just going to be a black cat basically talking Mm -hmm. black cat so that should be good cute cute photos for the future to get to look back on and that's i just i remember and it's it seemed like it's been the same thing with my kids just being the anticipation there's so something so exciting about it i was woken up this morning to a little voice going mom seven days to halloween (laughs) so she's been doing that since day 20. (laughs) very excited i mean there's so much to love about it when you're a little kid it's like you get it's a different day it's different than all the other days of the year and you get to dress up and you get to go and get candy and there's all this sort of wonderful imagery around you that's really interesting and and evocative i mean i i i loved it when i was a kid and i well, and I it's, didn't and it's stop about you still, right? A lot of the other holidays that we have, like there's a kid component to it, but it's not really about kids, right? Like we're we're going to be coming up on you know Thanksgiving, and so yeah, you get to like eat stuff, and that's great, but there isn't really a kid. You're just sort of there for Thanksgiving, but Halloween is really about kids in a lot of ways, right? For the kids, right? Still, adults who don't have kids do plenty of Halloween things, but right but just from their perspective yeah being the center of attention that's i mean that's that's an attractive prospect for most people and especially for Mm -hmm. children and getting to put a mask on be someone else and get lots of sugar yeah lots and lots of sugar lots (laughs) of sugar you bet so so the the other side of this holiday season is the pagan side, the Samhain or Hallows, as some of us call it, or the third harvest. And that is not necessarily on October 31st. Mm-hmm. In fact, the actual midpoint between the autumnal equinox and the winter solstice lands typically on the 6th or 7th of November. Mm-hmm. So what that does is create a nice tidy week of festivities (laughs) from October 31st through the 7th of November when you can do all kinds of cool, fun, spooky, great, eerie stuff. So why don't you talk a little bit about your thoughts and themes around this time of year? And Yeah, 
So, so for us, it's this time of year is really about our ancestors, about the, our ancestry and yes, about our immediate, you know, our parents and grandparents and their parents. So our, our human ancestry and maybe our cultural ancestry, but it's also a time that thematically we're really interested in our non-human ancestors looking at our, at evolution, right? And the, the looking at <laughs> going back, you know, back to reptiles, back to fish, but way before we were even, you know, core dates and going back through and, and really looking at that and just bringing that back into our normal awareness, because we can get so focused in on our, our, daily human life in our extremely urbanized, separated from the rest of nature reality, even though we've, as we've talked about before, you never really can separate from that, but we can, we can put our blinders on and pretend that we are right. And so this time of year is really about being in touch with that. And also the, those that went before the, to make us, to allow us to exist that were our ancestors, but also those that whose deaths allowed us to be in a, in a way they are also our ancestors so the the beings that we ate right and all of us again no matter what your diet is you because the like breatharian thing that's not really like that's not really a thing like we all eat <laughs> that's mm -hmm. just part of being and and organism and we ate somebody and somebody and somebody and those i think honoring those beings is is honoring our ancestors so we think a lot about that it's we we're always you know reading books and watching documentaries and things like that but we try to theme we, we try to choose things that match with the theme of the time of year so we've been learning a lot on on human evolution and things like that so the, we have the, the family practice and then my personal practice and the family practice is evolving as the children are growing older and getting into different phases in their life. On a personal level, I will do like a kind of a meditation or where I will just step out, do a private ritual, usually outside sometime around dusk and just take a moment to really, really think about and remember and be really present with those ideas. On my YouTube channel, a couple of years back, I actually did a, a guided meditation version of this, if people are interested in checking that out. Great. Let's put a link to that in the episode notes. Yes. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and put a link there for anyone who wants to check that out. And you know, that's like a 20 or 30 minute version for me when I'm guiding myself through that, it would, it's maybe a longer process. And it's really nice when I finish, I don't like being cold, but I'll usually go out and do this so that I am a little bit cold afterwards when I go in and there's, and it, now it's dark and there's just this, this quiet feeling afterwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And that, that ties in with the idea of Hallows or Samhain as the third harvest, the flesh harvest, mm -hmm. not, not just the, the late vegetables, but also the time when you're thinning the herds so that the, the 
the animals that you keep are your reproductive stock and and what you need to get through to the net to the following spring but you're not keeping everybody because all of those will eat yeah <laughs> food that they're going to eat is food you need yeah or or it might you know with cattle we don't eat the same food as them typically but they need a lot of it and right. is it available do you have it stored up right do you have enough of it or not right right so yeah yeah, so that whole idea of the ancestral value of the creatures that we have consumed becomes really pertinent at this time of year, I think. There's a tradition that is pretty common in the pagan community, which I like to call a silent supper. They're, they're more frequently called a dumb supper, but I don't like using that word for being unable to speak. So... Um, a silent supper and that's a a silent meal contemplative meal where an empty space is set for the dead mm -hmm. or in some cases if it's a, a ritual for a particular funeral then that place is set for that particular person yeah and then the foods that are offered to them which are always the best the best cuts of whatever you have, the, the, the nicest vegetable, the, the prettiest piece of cake, all that kind of stuff that gets offered to wildlife afterwards mm -hmm. um, so that it goes back into the cycle of everything as we all do. That there are, at some of them that I've been to, there have been sort of thinking prompts that have been printed on a little card next to the place settings Mm -hmm. And thinking about ancestors and then also about the animals and plants that we've eaten over time are among those prompts. Yeah. That can be a very profound ritual, actually. It's, uh, there's just something about creating a special feast for the dead and, you know, having the food be very special and using the good dishes and you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. It can be, it can be very moving actually. Yeah. And, and the silent aspect to it seems like it would create, would be create a space out of the normal because we yeah. so often are filling things with conversation with our phones, with our, you know, everything. But when it's silent, you are there, you're really there, right? right. Where else can you be if not there? Yes. And it reminds you of the profound silence or silent equivalence that death is. Mm -hmm. No stimulation, no awareness, just stillness. So that's a thing that sometimes people do for a Samhain Hallows celebration in honor of their ancestors or of the people that have passed over the course of the last year. Uh, I'm going to back up the people who have died over the course of the last year. I really don't like those euphemisms for death. Prefer not to use them. What are some other activities that you do? I, I know that there are some things that I do in the lead up to Hallows that are of value to me. I update my preparation documents for death every year mm. at this time of year in October. My will, my advanced directives for health decisions, my, you know, just lists of phone numbers of people to be contacted and biographical details for an obituary and 
a farewell letter and about a half page description of my wishes for the conditions under which I'd like to die. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd prefer to die at home. I'd prefer to see my friends as my health allows. I'd prefer to listen to this kind of music and have these kinds of scents around me. And so your death plan in the same way someone might go to the hospital with a birth plan. Yes. It's your, your death plan. Yes. Yeah. And so I update all that stuff and then I take it to my ritual circle, Dark Sun's annual Samhain gathering. And then we sign the documents and I have members of my ritual circle serve as the witnesses for the things that require legal signatures. I believe very strongly that doing this kind of preparation is a profound gift to the people who survive you. When people are grieving, their brains are fogged. And it's very hard to pay attention to details like, you know, how do I find the life insurance account number or the phone number for the, the bank or the password to the Facebook account or, I mean, any of those things. And having all of that in a packet of information that just can just be given to the loved ones is a, a huge weight off them. And it's something that I feel strongly we should do not only for them, but because having an annual think about the fact that you're going to die and making some choices about how you would like that to go, I think is very healthy for us. I it think helps. So. It helps remind us that this life is finite and yeah. that it's precious. And so that means that if there's something that's missing in your life, well, you better get to it. Yeah. And, and I think that in our culture, we're, as we've talked about before, we're really scared of death. And we like to not, we don't want to think about death because of some sort of idea that somehow if you think about it, it's going to make it happen, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's going to happen either way. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, make the best of what you've got right now and being aware that you are going to die. You can, make those hopefully you know sometimes there's accidents and you're just gone right but you might be able to have the chance to make those last moments more like you want them to be like you were describing in the in like the death plan and also a moment to step back and just be able to see is what i'm doing what i want because i am going to die i've only got these how many ever decades left assuming everything goes great well is this how i really want to be using it right right so it's kind of that you hear the stories about people on their deathbed looking back at their life and going i wish i had done xyz this time of year is an opportunity to have a mini little deathbed each year so you can look back and see, did I do what I want? And it's your second chance. It's, it's giving yourself a second chance before it even happens. Right, right. That's very well put. The, the, the flip side of refusing to look at the fact that you're going to die with, out of the fear that that's somehow going to accelerate the process is that instead what it actually does is it tends to give you clarity 
Mm -hmm. clarity about the fact that your life is going to end and that the you've got a limited amount of time and then you can make real choices about what you want to do with the time that's allotted to you and you don't know when you're going to die because accidents do happen and people get terrible diseases at young ages and lots of lots of you know bad things can happen to perfectly good people there's 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 no rhyme or reason to it. It's just luck, fortune. Yeah. And, but at least you will know for yourself and your loved ones will know how you wanted it to be. And it also gives you a chance to write a farewell letter that says the things you want to say to the people in your life. You don't have to leave anything unsaid if you don't want to. Because I think that a lot of people on their deathbed really regret that they didn't say a thing to a person, whether it was an expression of love or an expression of anger or an expression of acceptance and forgiveness, whatever it is. Those are important and they can give you, I think, a sense of peace as you pass into the death experience, knowing that that letter is going to be read and people will receive the messages that you wanted them to hear. Yeah. So that's something that I do leading up to the Hallows holiday. The other thing that I do is I steep myself in the mood of the season as much as I possibly <laughs> can. So we have been watching all of these Halloweeny movies, many of which are just terrible. <laughs> Hammer horror movies and really schlocky kinds of things but some of them are pretty good i mean there's a there's a wonderful movie with nicole kidman called the others which is very eerie and and creepy without being gory at all it's just very very creepy and it's it's worth worth seeing there's another with kate blanchett called the gift which is a sort of psychic power supernatural thing set in the deep south great cast in that and then there's some of the other more standard things like the fog and and practical magic which i watch this year every at this time of year every year because it's just so delightful hmm. Hmm. yeah and depending on the place where you are too i mean this the time of year just outside is just really fun, right? Especially for those folks who live somewhere where you might be, you know, next to a maple tree or something like that, where you could just get the amazing amounts of leaves and the beautiful, that crackle when you step on them and the little, and the little that chill in the wind and the smell of autumn. There's just, every place has its own really special it's special ambiance. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes in October can sometimes be very warm where I am because it's before the, the storms have come. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we have these sort of spookily warm evenings with kind of a light breeze sort of whistling around the eaves and wind chimes tinkling a little bit and it's all just very very evocative oh that's another movie that we always watch which is uh the halloween tree which is the animated version of the ray bradbury book which is a wonderful book about the season and ultimately about mortality 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, these are some good suggestions. So. so that's the kind of thing that I, and of course we decorate outside so that we can attract trick-or-treaters <laughs> and all that good kind of stuff. And I bring in a bunch of colorful leaves and use those and gourds and dried corn cobs and so forth to decorate around the house. For us, we're stacking firewood. <laughs> this is our, we better have it all stacked, which is nice because we were in the city for years where we didn't have a stove and I grew mm -hmm. up with a stove and we've, we've got one again. And it's just so wonderful to have that smell mm -hmm. and going out and, and getting the wood and attempting to split it. I've got weak over the years. So I've got to get strong again to be able to split that wood. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be done. So get strong over the winter. <laughs> uh huh. So that did. So, Yucca, do you have any activities that you do as you lead up other than splitting firewood? Well, there's just so much happening in this season that has to get done. There's just that it's mostly enjoyable, but there's the rewinterizing the house. It, we still have warm days. The days are quite pleasant, actually, this time of year. We're in the, the 60s. We might crawl up into the 70s, but at night it's freezing almost every night now. So there's just a lot that it's that's all that stuff you've been putting off all summer just has to get done. And it really is for us. November is not autumn. November is winter, right? Maybe the first week or so is still autumn, but then boom, we, we just transition. There's autumn is super, super short, but a lot of it really is that harvest stuff. It's the pumpkins and the, you know, taking the little animals out because this time of year, all the little spiders and little stink bugs and all of those, they're trying to come in the house because it's getting cold out there. So mm -hmm. that seems like maybe some sort of that's a tradition, a very necessary tradition, but here's the cup, put it on. Nope. Out mm -hmm. you go. I'm sorry. I don't know if I was telling you about this on, on, as we were recording last week or not, but we had a, a Carolina wolf spider come in to visit us that we had quite an adventure trying to get out without letting the cat see that it was there because we didn't want the cat going and getting its nose bit or pulling it apart. So we had quite an adventure there, but but, you know, other than that, it's really, we don't have a lot of specific rituals that have developed yet. And when we circle back around this next year, I, you know, when the kids are older, things might shift, right? Because, sure. you know, a lot is about their wonder and excitement and, and building that foundation for them. So, yeah. That, that absolutely makes sense to me. And so... That brings us then to the Hallows, Samhain rituals themselves. And when you practice those, in my mind, is kind of a moving target. What I tend to do is the first weekend in November. Mm -hmm. And in, in this particular case, one of our circle members had a conflict that weekend. And so we're doing next weekend, the weekend of Halloween instead. But usually it's just the first Saturday and we do an overnight. So it's the first Saturday and Sunday of November. And sometimes that's the sixth or seventh, but if not, it's close enough. Will you be in person this year? Because I remember last year you did a, a virtual version, right? We did. This year we are going to be in person. We're all vaccinated and we're all old enough to be 
we're all old enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> not that I want any of us to stop getting older. I'm just to be clear, but <laughs> we're I'm I'm the youngest person in the group, so you know, take that for what it what it is. The we are doing it in person. This will be our 30th anniversary. Mm. The the circle started on Samhain of on Halloween actually of 1991. And so this will be our 31st ritual, our 30th anniversary. So that's pretty exciting. It it really is. And everyone who was in the circle to start with is still there. We added two more members, three more members later, but everybody that the, the original six, they're all there. We've had people get mad and go stomping away, but they come back. It, it's a family. Mm. It's, you know, it has, has the dynamics of a family. So what we do is we go to the home of two of the members of our circle. And we hold, the, for the ritual part, we build a focus, an altar, at the fire circle that they have down below their house and we lay a fire but we don't love the only light we wait till after dark and the only light that's coming from the circle is from the lit jack-o'-lanterns that are on the altar so we proceed down to there and then we do a sort of upper world ritual which is um, gratitude for the things that we've had, the harvests that we've had over the course of the year, and acknowledgement of the losses that have happened over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. And then when we're ready, when we've kind of put everything down, and we're ready to go, we process into the woods to a very dark place that we fancy as the land of the dead. Mm -hmm. And then we speak to those that have died in the previous year that we miss. And we tell them that we miss them and we love them and we're sorry that they're gone and all that. And thank you for what they gave us. We leave things in the underworld that we no longer want to keep with us. Stuff that is just not serving us anymore. We leave tokens of that down there. And then when we're done, which in a scary sense tends to be when we start getting comfortable. <laughs> When you start just kind of, well, I don't, we could just sort of stay here. <laughs> then we rouse ourselves and we march back up, light the fire. And then we pass around pomegranate and chocolate and red wine and then sing songs and celebrate being alive because we've come back to life. We're, we're, we're returned from the, the land of the dead. It's a ritual we've been doing for decades and it's always very moving and I love those people very much. So it's a, it's a, a great, pretty simple ritual, but it's, it's a really, really profound one for us. Mm, it sounds amazing. It is. It's really cool. Mm. How about you? What are the sort of ritual things that you do for? Well, the, the one that I do is, was mentioning it earlier is the, going out for that, that private recognition of all those that made me that unbroken line of ancestors back to Luca and of 
all of the the beings whose lives wh whose lives ended for mine to continue and and just sitting with that awareness and just thinking through each of those the ones that i can think of and there's always more right but i'll mm -hmm. i'll begin it i usually do a, a circle so I'll cast a very simple circle and be in it and when i do have a garden that i have an annual garden that i have done through the the year where we are now i didn't do an annual garden here because this is our first season but in the future i'll do it there where i'm in the the plants the the dried up vines and get the that little pokey sensation of the like the dried pumpkin vines against the skin and things like that and just hang out in that crispy in that crispy dead garden mm -hmm. right that mm -hmm. has produced and has been and also i mean always remembering for me there's that always remembering that that all this death does eventually lead to more life like we were talking about in the decomposition episode um, a few weeks ago that it leads that that we ate the plants we ate the animals we and it brought our life and our life i will be i mean it's i'm an ancestor already which is weird to think about but but i will be an ancestor in more ways one day mm -hmm. It's just that memory, that that awareness of that mortality, just sitting with that mortality. Uh-huh. That's great. Do you and your partner do anything to celebrate the holidays? In the years where we can have gatherings, we usually have a like a holiday feast. So we do the we'll do the Halloween game, which it really is Halloween, but then we'll also do like a get together feast i don't usually call them sabbaths but a sabbath feast mm -hmm. um because actually half of my family's sephardic so for us sabbaths is referring specifically to the jewish holidays so we don't call right. the pagan holidays the sabbaths like right. just as some people do some people don't but for us they're two separate things so we we don't have any sort of ritual we do together but we do have the community of the bring people in um, and a lot of those people some of them are pagan some of them are not it's more of a, a community thing of it it works really well this this eight holidays a year with the changing of the season just works out very very nicely right it, it kind of has a familiar feel but it's not so often that people are just worn out by it like oh right. it's not special because oh we do it you know every couple of weeks no it's it's longer it's not every month it's a little bit longer right mm -hmm. so we look forward to being able to go back to that but you know we're still we're still not quite there yet sure so. yeah i mean we all just trying to get your head around the sheer magnitude of the losses from covid it's it's a big deal and and i know that's going to be a huge subject for our ritual in the upper part of the ritual getting ready to take the walk to the land of the dead because there's i mean you can imagine you're wading through crowds of people that just go on and on and on and on in order to get there yeah it's 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 almost five million people worldwide now and that's just staggering it's, <laughs> yeah it's it's been a rough couple of years yeah it really yeah. has and to be here 
I mean, we we sort of knew that we'd still be here last last year when we were doing this episode, but there's just been so many more people since then. Yes. Yeah. And so. I don't want to get sidetracked into that too much because there's a lot to be said about it, but I think it's all been said before uh, by someone. And even though this is a solemn holiday, I mean, Halloween isn't. Halloween is a sort yeah. of a sparkly, glittery, fun holiday. But Hallows, Samhain, can be a very fervent, solemn, serious holiday around the contemplation of mortality and how all things must go in time and become something else. And I feel like, I feel privileged to be a part of this practice, this, this tradition in process of developing itself, to have a time of the year to contemplate all those things, to not turn my back on mortality and on suffering, on the, the reality of, of the dark things, for want of a better term, in life. And we, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we don't mean dark in any kind of a racist sense. We just mean the kinds of things that are in the shadow, less conscious, less hidden, visible, less yeah. visible, hidden. And besides that, I I like a, a good scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really appreciate that there are so many sides to it. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate the Halloween and Hollows aspect of this time of year, because I think both are really valuable and that, that it can all kind of be true at the same time. Right. Yes. In, in fact, I like that so much that I really wish there were there was more dimension to some of the other Sabbaths around the year. You know, this one and Yule, which of course is deeply informed by all of the mainstream Christmas stuff, they have a lot of they've got a lot of weight. There's there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. And when I think about some of the other holidays around the course of the year, there there isn't quite as much there and i i hope over time to build rituals and and traditions that that add to the the overall weight and sense of dimension to those those holidays mm -hmm. yeah which is part of what this podcast is for so that all of us can you know figure out the rituals that are going to work for us and Help us to celebrate life more because this is life and it's, it's good. Yep. This was so much fun. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much, Yucca. And I hope you have just the most wonderful, spooky, evocative, <laughs> thoughtful, memorable, meaningful uh, week coming up. Oh, likewise. And we will see all of you next week. All right. Yep, see you on November 1st.